0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Leah Weiss about assessing a team's mental health needs to provide support and avoid burnout. Leah Weiss, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you today. It's it's a fun opportunity to uh, be able to chat with you about something I think we're both pretty passionate about. We're going to focus our conversation today on assessing a team's mental health needs to provide support and avoid burnout. I think this is always an important topic, but particularly during this last 18 months, the pandemic, just all the challenges people have been facing Um, I think it's more important than ever. And there's been more and more pressure and weight placed on organizational leaders to be able to be empathetic and to provide more support uh, in ways that perhaps they weren't used to doing in the past. And that's caused challenges for organizations, for leaders, and for their teams. So I I think this will be a really important topic to unpack and to get some good practical tips for what people can do to to help the situation and help everyone to just work and thrive in a healthy workplace environment. As we get started, I wanted to share Leah's bio with everybody. Leah Weiss is a researcher, lecturer, consultant, author, and co-founder of Skylight. Dr. Weiss is best known for her teaching at Stanford's Graduate School of Business and groundbreaking work with the Stanford's Compassion Cultivation Program conceived by the Dalai Lama. Dr. Weiss has taught and spoken at Harvard, Stanford, Princeton, Smith, TED, and 75 companies from Goldman Sachs to Intuit. She co-founded Skylight in 2019 with partner Inez Graminga to provide corporate leadership and build resilience using AI technology and other data-driven solutions. With Skylight, she has counseled such clients as Stanford Health, Mayo Clinic, Genentech, Google, European Commission, and NASA. Skylight has attracted over $1 in pre-seed funding and is venture-backed. An expert in workplace anxiety, burnout, resilience, and the role of leadership in addressing mental health, Dr. Weiss holds a PhD from Boston College and bachelor's degree from Stanford University. She lives in Portland, Oregon, and has three young children. A wonderful background. I I so appreciate uh, the insights that you'll be able to provide in a looking forward to the conversation. And I also have to say, I grew up in Salem, Oregon. So I'm, I'm, uh, particularly fond of the Pacific Northwest and that area. Uh, I'm a little bit jealous that, you know, that you live there and that I am, I, I, Utah's great, but, uh, but I, I do miss the Pacific Northwest.
1: Mm, I love that. Uh, I, I hadn't realized you're from here. I, I detected some, uh, Pacific Northwest vibe in you though. So, uh, <laughs> somehow unsurprising
0: a little Portland weirdness in me right (laughs) yeah well good anything else you want to share with listeners by way of your background before we launch on it
1: um no I think that's that's enough we'll see what else comes out in the wash as we chat
0: (laughs) okay cool cool well as we get started then let's let's kind of set the stage um I think burnout has been at all-time levels. And in fact, it was pre-pandemic. I'm trying to remember the timing. Um, but as we were, you know, we, we have all these different um, situations that are covered, uh, conditions and situations that are covered under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And sometime prior to the pandemic, uh, burnout was actually acknowledged as a factor Uh, that would be covered under the Americans with Disabilities Act, which I found fascinating and, you know, really actually quite important um, and kind of a long time in coming. Like I felt like that should have been something that organizations should have been thinking about beforehand. Uh, And unfortunately too often, I think organizations uh, in the past have turned a blind eye to that kind of worked their people into the ground, um, you know, just thinking, ah, we'll replace them with someone else. But I think more and more organizations are recognizing Uh, the necessity to address the burnout factor and to help their people to be, uh, to thrive and to be more healthy. Um, So how can we identify signs of burnout amongst our teams, our employees, and why is that important for organizations in the first place?
1: Yeah, that's a great starting place. And, you know, just, I know a number of your listeners are international. um, And I think, It's very interesting the timing of the American Disabilities um, uh, Recognition of the role of burnout, and the World Health Organization had declared it a um, a a diagnostic category um, as well. So this is something that we're you know often. People are talking about this from the perspective of, you know, is this a a specifically American problem, or what does it look like cross culturally? We can we can get there later. I think starting in terms of identifying signs, um, there's a a 12 stage schema that I think is really helpful for us in a in a practical sense. Um, In the early phases of burnout look like workaholism, it's, it's excessive drive, it's pushing yourself until you get to that point point. you're starting to neglect your personal care and your needs. And then you find yourself displacing conflict, like get home in the evening and um, grouch at our kids or our partner um, or our friends because of this pent up frustration from the work day. And then we get into kind of in the middle part of the spectrum, more things like behavior changes, withdrawal, um, getting more significant. And then when you get to really the top of this spectrum, um, it, it goes towards either a dep- a depression or an anxiety, kind of depending on various factors, including just personalities. Some people get more withdrawn, some people get kind of aggressive and cynical, and then it can lead to, you know, full collapse. And it's not uncommon when you start looking into these stories about people who've experienced burnout or in Europe, they're saying are on a burnout, um, out from work six to 12 months just like a total collapse that they have to rebuild from um, so I think in terms of identifying recognizing these these stages is really important and then also increasingly research is coming out on physical symptoms um, so things including um insomnia headaches dizziness um it frequent infection without other causes, hair loss, hormonal changes, gastrointestinal issues, um, even you know pal- palpitations and anxiety attacks—all um, are the in, the other really interesting kind of piece to be aware of. And then um, I'll, I'll stop and to to hear what where you want to go with this. But I think the fact that from a neuroscientific perspective, our amygdalas, so it is often described as, you know, the lizard center, the old brain actually becomes enlarged in people who are burnt out. And that means we have less of the higher order um, capacities, our prefrontal cortex, our ability to think and, and evaluate and make higher order decisions is, is, undermined by this physiological change so i think that becomes really important too to get away from this idea that burnout is you know it's fake or it's kind of people overreacting or it's just in their head that like actually there's a lot um it impacts a whole body
0: yeah there's very much the physiological um impacts of all of this right uh, so the physical impacts are absolutely there um what do we know about the scale of burnout uh, pre-pandemic during the pandemic, what we might expect to see post-pandemic um, and w- what kind of an impact does that have? I mean, certainly on the individual, it has a huge impact. Uh, and we want to, you know, it, it, we don't need there to be a financial benefit to it for us to like treat people. Well, <laughs> um, we should do that anyways, but there, you know, there is a financial benefit. So what do we know about the scope and scale and what are those financial Impacts uh, of burnout and the potential financial benefits of of helping people to be more healthy in how they approach their work.
1: Yeah, well, I really appreciate how you're framing this too. That you know, we want to think about this from the human side, but also if we're trying to make changes in how organizations function, we need to understand what are the organizational metrics that map on um, from burnout. So I, I think one thing to keep in mind is even before the pandemic, burnout was a massive issue, right? It, it, it's kind of surfaced. Um, in the context of healthcare in a groundbreaking 2012 um, Journal of Medicine paper that showed that over half of physicians were burned out. Um, in the follow on to September 11th, um, this was something in the caregiving professions with compassion fatigue and in clinicians who were burnt out. And then it kind of spread from there because people who were outside of healthcare were recognizing this in themselves. Um, two and three people prior to the pandemic um, Uh, if you were, if you asked managers, uh, two and three of them were worried that their employees were overworking. Um, 60% of employees prior to the pandemic were saying their jobs were breaking them down. Um, You know, if, if we look at now, depression rates are up, by threefold. We've had millions of women, even this country alone, leaving the workplace. Women are, are um, significantly more likely to say that it is impossible for them to keep up with all of the demands in their lives, um, you know, with the disrupted childcare and um, work demands and constant availability and so forth. And then when we talk about the costs of burnout. There's a lot of different ways to measure this and I kind of frame it differently depending on which sector. So if we're talking about healthcare, patient satisfaction medical error rates go up uh, safety across industries I you know see this in um, high-risk professions when the higher burnout more safety incidents um, and 60 percent of, of sick days are linked to it um, and 34 percent of annual payroll uh, disappears to poor engagement so that you know really shows uh, in terms of the costs are so high from a financial perspective Um, because a burned out person, you know, if you want to go back to the example of like lizard brain has taken over, um, can't think well, can't perform well, can't prioritize well, you're not going to get the work out of them (laughs) from a pragmatic perspective that you would want.
0: Yeah. And, you know, again, the human case for this is compelling and should be enough. But if, if that's not enough for organizations to act, the, the business case is equally as compelling. Uh, and it's, clear, it's quite clear cut, like the research is pretty clear uh, that these impacts are huge. And so if we want our organization to be uh, successful and sustainable in the long run, we have to recognize and acknowledge the fact that that mental health of our employees and potential burnout is something that has to be monitored has to be proactively dealt with, uh, and, and that our people need to have the support they need. I, I Again, coming back to the pandemic, and I don't want to dwell on that because this is a relevant topic anytime. Uh, but you think of um, first uh, the, the essential workers, the first line uh, workers, say nurses, doctors, in the hospitals and the the, the medical system. Oh my goodness! The amount of, of of fatigue and challenge and burnout that they're facing because of the pandemic is huge, and that's just one small area. Um, but then you also have, like you mentioned, you know, so many women taking on. They, they, we we know that women disproportionately take on. The home care, the child care, a lot of the home tasks, those types of things. And so trying to juggle all of that. Now you have your kids at home trying to do school. And of course, what that has resulted in is many women leaving the workforce. Um, In a sense, I suppose that's a good thing because they didn't like burn out trying to like juggle 10 things all at once. But there's been reports that have suggested we've set back gender equity, gender equality in the workforce a de- uh, generation or more um, just during the pandemic because of that. And so that's, that's horrible. And we need to correct that. So, I mean, the bottom line is, this is a huge, huge issue. Um, and it has real implications for everybody. Uh, so we need to learn how to better assess our team's mental health uh, and be more supportive. Uh, thoughts, ideas, on how we can do that uh, with our people to create an atmosphere where everyone is is uh, healthy, both physically and psychologically. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations.
1: Yeah, well, and I think, you know, two thoughts with respect to the um, measurement side. I think, we do need to measure and we need to think about the various components of of, uh, burnout and go also beyond the individual. Um, So there's kind of a a metaphor from one of the key researchers in the space of burnout where she describes trying to solve burnout at an individual level is like blaming a cucumber and a vinegar barrel for becoming a pickle. It just doesn't make sense. So while it happens person by person, the conditions for it are so critical. And I think that's part of why we've been seeing the interventions and a lot of the workplace wellness strategies that focus on the individual come up short we spend as collectively billions of dollars a year on them and then you know you look at um, there was a study that came out of harvard med school last year um, looking across organizations thousands of organizations and the the interventions we are trying at the individual level don't help people either at their individual mental or physical health or help the organization from the metrics like engagement absenteeism calling in sick you know that kind of thing so i think when we're looking at this and framing this we have to understand that you can give you know just it, it, it there's a logic to this if someone you know, I have three um, young kids. They're all back in school this week for the first time in a year and a half. Um, trying to get work done. Um, but I don't know at what point is there going to be an outbreak and they're back home and everything has to shuffle, right? This is the world many of us are living in right now. Um, so it's not, if you want to offer me more individual benefits um, so that I can do online streaming workouts that the workplace is going to pay for, or you're going to give me, um, you know, a online app for therapy. It's like, yeah, great. But actually that's not, the problem I'm experiencing, what would be more helpful is, um, engaging at the team level, educating managers about what I actually value. And time and again, it comes out that parents want flexibility more than benefits that they don't have time for, right? And and I think some of this is why the assessment problem is so major that people are trying to solve problems with the wrong tools. And if you ask the right questions, so this is one of the reasons I spent the last two years I had started before the pandemic creating... um, an up-leveled kind of multifactorial uh, diagnostic around burnout that includes things like self-report and other components. So you understand what is causing the burnout in this person in the context of this team, and then therefore, what do they need? And so for one person, it might be really about the combination of of outside-of-work things with their work role. But for another, like in healthcare, one of the biggest drivers of burnout isn't these... Clinicians are trained and used to working around the clock. I come from a family of surgeons, like they eat and breathe, you know, getting up at 430 in the morning, being on call all night, that's totally normal to them. What burns out physicians is moral injury, when um, their values are undercut because they can't provide the quality of care, or we as patients are making it impossible for um, us to be helped, right? That's the the headlines we're seeing in the context of the pandemic. Um, So I think what I'm getting at is um, we need, all burnout is not caused by the same thing. We need to understand what the different reasons for it look like so that we can approach those in terms of the solution space.
0: Yeah, I mean, very well said, and and maybe that sounds obvious to people that we need to have a like a tailored approach, understand the needs, the the salient needs, um, of each individual on our team. Uh, but is it happening? You know, it, it seems obvious. Is it happening? I'm not so sure it is, and that's not to say we don't have good intention organizations and, and leaders trying to do it, but it it's hard. It means you have to have those conversations. You have to be open to the feedback. You have to, uh, I mean, it's, it's so much easier to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to um, be committed to our employees' mental health. So here's a free um, uh, online counseling uh, that you can do, or here's, here's a gym membership or whatever, you know that's so much easier, and then you can kind of check the box and move on. And so um, it's it's no wonder that organizations and leaders often try to do those things as opposed to really understand the individual circumstances of each of their people. Uh, I get it. I get that that's hard, but but that is what leadership is. Uh, leadership is about developing meaningful, genuine relationships of of mutual accountability and trust with our people, and we can't shortcut that. Like that only can happen as we develop that relationship over time, by consistently meeting with, talking with, listening to (laughs) the people that we work with. And, you know, just listening, just being there and showing genuine empathy is going to go a long way because people feel supported. uh, And, but then you'll, you'll learn, you'll learn what they need. And like you said, for a lot of people, that's just the flexibility, just the flexibility to do what you need to do when you need to do it for your family, for your kids, for your loved ones, your friends, whatever. Uh, And ultimately, if I have that support to, to know that I'm not going to be looked down on or in some way hurt in my job career trajectory because I'm trying to help my kids do online school at home, um, that goes a really, really long way. And then I'm, I'll be able to juggle the other stuff. I'll be able to figure it out um, if I know I have that kind of flexibility. So I, I think that's just really, really key.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And I, you know, I agree with you that, you know, the managers that we've interviewed and worked with, and I don't, I think everybody has, it's very rare to find someone who's like, yeah, I want to burn out my team. It's like they're overwhelmed, they're stressed, they have good intentions, maybe they became a manager without the training and leadership skills to necessarily know how to have these hard conversations. I find that assessments can really help um, with having the hard conversations because if you get back as a manager here's where your team's at um and here's what they're struggling with and use that as the springboard for a conversation um we find that 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 just kind of templating out that process has really helped the teams that we've um tried to engage with and then of course like individual coaching um is a great resource uh, for managers to uplevel these skills but if people if it's not in Intuitive, which it's not for most people, how to have these conversations with with your team. Um, you know, figuring out how to figure out figuring out how to how to understand where they're at with respect to their values, their purpose, how much autonomy they're experiencing, you know, maybe they want more flexibility or maybe they want more support. Um, Do you have the basics in place in terms of structured rest um, that people can take vacations that people can unplug? Or have you set things up in a way that people are indispensable, which is going to drive them towards burning out? And what are you doing to work on a sense of belonging and inclusion that's going to support having effective collaboration. Um, So I I like the kind of using the tools as a way to understand where you are and where to focus change um, and development and accountability within your own group.
0: Yeah, I think that accountability piece is also just really important. So any tools that we have to to under, better understand these, these conditions, the, the situations and circumstances of our people uh, and how they're dealing with those circumstances, that's going to be a win for us. Uh, and then there has to be accountability built into all of this um, so that we can ultimately meet the needs. Uh, of our people. Um, I'm just noting the time. We have just a few minutes left. Um, before we close, though, I, I wanted to ask about the return to work. So, you know, so many people have been remote for so long. Um, more and more people are kind of going more to a hybrid model. Organizations are wanting their people to come back. That, again, raises a lot of these, these uh, concerns, the stresses, the anxieties, um, and that can lead to further mental health challenges uh, and risks, depression, anxiety, fear, and so forth. So what should leaders, what should we be anticipating in terms of the burnout in the mental health challenges of people as they return to work? Uh, what can leaders do about it?
1: Yeah, I think that preparing yourself and understanding that, you know, what experts are describing as the follow-on pandemic to the coronavirus is going to be this mental health pandemic. Um, so that is going to show up in your workplace, people's uh, anxiety, depression, whatever, uh, trauma, all going to be more acute. And then the anxiety of changing environments and their fear about what that means and how to navigate. Um, I think one of the things leaders would really benefit from is... Um, getting clear on the types of um, resilience strengths and weaknesses in your teams. Um, We've created a tool. It's a a free tool on our website that we can, excuse me, link to for as an example of this so that you can understand and have conversations with your folks about what's um, motivating you, how are you handling stress, and, and probably most importantly, based on who you are and your personality and your coping strategies, how can you support each other? Um, and so I think these kinds of instruments as people are coming back to work and having the conversations about, um, in, the risky conversations, they can feel that way to managers, as you already said, you know, opening the door to what are you worried about? What are you navigating? Um, you know, some people may just not want to go there, but guess what? It's there if you go there or not. So, you know, finding a way to, to put it out there on the table and um, be people together, humans trying to navigate an unprecedented time by having these conversations is going to put you in a much healthier, more sustainable position than avoiding that conversation and not knowing what's happening for your people.
0: Yeah. I mean, sticking our heads in the sand isn't going to work, right? (laughs) Uh, You know, sometimes we think, I don't know, we persuade ourselves to think that will work. It never does. So we just need to address this head on. Uh, Well, Leah, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. Uh, we've just scratched the surface. We could go on and on and you're welcome back anytime to continue the conversation. Mm -hmm. Before we close today, I just want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your business, uh, your team, the work that you can do for them. And then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: This has been such a blast. Time has truly flown by. Um, I'd love to keep in touch with listeners. Um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so you can find me there. I have a personal website. The tools that I've referred to um, in our conversation today are mostly on the Skylight website. Um, So you can find our resilience quiz, use it with your team for free. We have other compassionate conversations tools up there. Um, And we have a newsletter through Skylight um, that you can sign up for as well. Um, And I think the final word on the topic, um, let's go with this idea of really think about if you're sensing that folks are struggling in your team, remember this vinegar metaphor and think about what can you do together um, to take acidity out of the environment and um, find your way to starting an edgy conversation, um, just leaning into that, you will create more human relationships, a better community. um, And and I think you'll find that um, the respect will just increase, but it's a risk. So um, do that and, and show up and let us know how it went. And I would love to come back and continue this discussion.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Leah. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what she and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership